This is Neon Radio, episode 163, with Dr. Jeff McNary. Welcome to Neon Radio. I'm your host, Nick Onkin, fashion and lifestyle photographer for today's top brands, performers, and game changers. On this podcast, we explore the body, mind, and soul of the creative entrepreneur, bringing you inspiring guests to help take your creativity, business, and life to the next level. What is up, everyone? Welcome to today's episode of Neon Radio. We've got another installment of the Rhythmia Adventures. If you haven't listened to any of those, I talk about my experience over on episode 161. That's neonradio.com slash EP161 with uh, ayahuasca, my first experience and kind of some ideas around that. I loved it. I thought it was an amazing experience and Rhythmia was an amazing place to do it. The last episode was the founder of Rhythmia, Gerard Powell. That was over at neonradio.com slash EP162. So go check that out. We talk a lot about his story, how he created Rhythmia, which is an amazing story, and his whole life change that he went through by doing plant medicine. Really is a powerful, powerful medicine and deep dive into the subconscious therapy, helping you heal from like the years and years of subconscious trauma that we probably don't even know that we have. And it's it's a very fascinating topic, which kind of leads me to today's guest. And he is the chief medical officer over at Rhythmia, which was a fascinating conversation because uh, I'm also, I'm totally fascinated by the science, the neuroscience, the psychotherapy, the psychology around all of these things. Like for me, I need the science, I need the psychology, I need to understand this stuff before I've jumped in, and it's really, really useful. So this conversation was fascinating for me to talk to Jeff. He used to be, this is Jeff McNary, Dr. Jeff McNary. He is. He used to be the head over at Passages, which is the uh, a big rehab center for celebrities out in Malibu. And now he and he's been through. He's got many degrees in psychology and and psychiatry and all the things. And now he has discovered plant medicine himself with Jerry, and it's been a huge, huge tool to help people heal, to help people get better. And today's episode, we talk about how that happens, what's going on in your brain when you're taking plant medicine and the likes. It's a it's a very insightful conversation. I loved it. It was amazing. Again, if you have any questions about Rhythmia, we'll link this up in the show notes. It's neonradio.com slash EP163. You can DM me over on Instagram at Nick Onkin if you have any questions about it, about Rhythmia, about plant medicine, and we can chat. So I hope you enjoyed today's episode. It's a really great chat about the neuroscience, the psychology, and all the things that happen in your brain on plant medicine. It's a really beautiful experience. Go check it out. The Neon Life community. Actually, I'll throw that in there. If you want to connect with other creatives, neonlife.com slash community. So with that, let's jump in. I give you Dr. Jeff McNary. What is up, everyone? We have Dr. Jeff McNary on the show. He is the Chief Medical Officer down here at Rhythmia. We are live. Well, not live. We're we're in in the medical clinic here 
at Rhythmia <laughs> down in Costa Rica. And uh, I'm excited to have you on the show. Thanks for jumping on. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to talk about all the stuff we're doing down here. Yeah, we're going to dive into some neuroscience of plant medicine and breath work and all the good stuff. But first, I want to jump into kind of your background of your your education, your your, your history of where you started, and then how you transitioned over down here into Rhythmia. Okay, cool. So I'm from Los Angeles, California, mm-hmm. and I grew up in a, a rough part of Northeast Los Angeles, but somehow was able to make it to go to universities and grad school. <laughs> not like not like most of the other people around me, but it was uh, so I have a background in Latin American sort of culture that okay. I grew up with. I went to UCLA and got my master's in public health. Then after that, I worked for the Department of Health of Hawaii. I did OBGYN work at, when I was at UCLA before I moved to Hawaii, mm-hmm. always working with really high-risk patient populations, whether it was trauma or addiction or acute mental health type stuff. Yeah. And then I got my doctorate in psychology later, and I was managing this rehab called Passages in Malibu. I was administrative director and working, again, with high-risk people. So my background is, is working with, like, low-income underserved until I got to Passages, and that was <laughs> a whole another crowd. That's a contrast. A very, very different type of situation. But what I liked about it was that they had all these different modalities that were being used that were more holistic, like mm. spiritual counseling totally. and body work and stuff that rehabs weren't usually doing at the time. I'm interested. Yeah, so I really liked that because it was all this kind of more holistic approach to, like, healthcare and for addiction in particular. So I was working in a private practice. I was moving through a psychiatric hospital, working in the locked units at the time. Yeah. So I had all these different people that were really severe, whether, you know, trauma, addiction, and acute mental health, and none of them were getting any better, really. Yeah. They're all on meds, and they're all in and out of facilities, you know. So I was frustrated. I was always a little frustrated in yeah. that, you know. I remember watching a lecture from when I was in college from Ice-T, of all people. He actually went on a lecture tour. He's no a cool, way. Yeah, he's a super cool dude. And he had this really interesting thing that stuck with me when I was an undergrad. He said, you know, don't try to be something you're not. Be who you are. And if you're somebody that can get into these positions of authority through your education or through opportunities or whatever, get in there and then go off like a time bomb and create change. Mm. And that really hit me. I was like, man, that's dope, dude. Like, I I agree, you know? Because yeah. sometimes what people in universities, especially nowadays, try to do is they just, they're fighting the system as these undergrads. And, you know, that's cool. It's got a good energy sometimes. But, you know, they're not going to really enact a whole lot of change at the policy level. So yeah. Yeah. I wanted to get into positions where I could make some shifts. So that's what I did. And that's what I've done, you know, currently being here at Rhythmia. Mm-hmm. So I met Jerry Powell. He was the a patient at, at Passages. Yeah. And he, he came in, you know, and he was, <laughs> he was wild and, you know, out there and using yeah. drugs and just a madman. And yeah. I just I just started talking to him every day. You know, when he was there for 60 days, I just talked to him, met with him every day. And we formed this bond. And after he left, I continued to, to see him and do some coaching type stuff with him. And it lasted like five years, and he was not getting any better. He had stopped his Demerol habit, which was a big deal because that'll yeah. kill you. But he was still doing coke, and he's still womanizing and just 
fighting and just total aggro, dude. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and I was like at my wit's end. I didn't know what to do. I tried everything. You know, go here, go there, do this, do that. I was working with his family. I was doing family therapy. Oh, my God. All kinds of stuff, you know. <laughs> I was even meeting with his friends. Like, what should we do? You know, I was just trying everything. And he heard about this place in Costa Rica that, that did plant medicine. Yeah. And he was suicidal at the time. So he said, I got to just try something. I said, dude, go for it because I don't know what else to do. So he flew down to Costa Rica and went to this place up in the mountains, some dude's house. And it was just really scrappy and sketchy <laughs> yeah. and weird, you know. Yeah. But the plant medicine was amazing and the shaman was amazing. So those two things are all, you know, that he really needed to turn this corner. And it changed his life. You know, he was a new guy. And when he came back to LA, I was very skeptical. I was like, dude, how is this possible? You know, I didn't know much about plant medicine. I knew some things, but I hadn't really studied it. You know, we're not trained that in, in grad school in yeah. the U.S. You know? Can't imagine why not. <laughs> <laughs> Nowadays, there's some universities that are not necessarily accredited, but they do teach sort of like plant-based therapies popping up nowadays. But when I was in school, nobody talked about it or knew about it. Yeah. So I was like actually shocked that he was really a new guy. Like I didn't believe it, like I said, but then as time went on, yeah. he was like, it was real. Like he, would, he had cleared out his sort of subconscious and he had realized why he was acting like such an animal. Yeah. And he said, all right, dude, you're going down now. You're going to do it. I'm like, no way, <laughs> bro. Like, I don't, you know, I, don't, I don't want to. I don't know. I'm scared. Yeah. You know, all this stuff. But I did it, and I came down to Costa Rica. He came with me, and we did it, and I, it changed my life. You know, yeah. one night, man, it just wow. completely changed the way I viewed myself, yeah. and it made me happier, more understanding of things. Yeah, you know? and and that's how this basically started. And so Jerry and I wanted to have a place that was safe and legal and medically licensed and has clinical people and yeah. also shamans and stuff. So all together in one place. So that people that would never go to Peru or the jungle would actually come here. Yeah. Cause it's more sort of tolerable to them. It's more comfortable. Yeah. That's how that started. That's beautiful. Yeah. Did you, now did you do Iboga as well? Or did yeah. You? Yeah. My okay. first plant medicine was Iboga. Wow. That's just jumping off the deep end, man. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It was wild. Yeah. How have you found it differ? Um, well, Iboga is, uh, is they consider it like the stern grandfather plant. So it's just really direct and just hardcore. It just tells you and shows you what's going on. Yeah. It's not ambiguous and it's not sort of, it's not really symbolic too much. It's just more right to the point. Okay. Whereas ayahuasca can be that way too, but ayahuasca is a maternal, yeah. it's a maternal energy plant. So it has a different way of healing you. It has more of a nurturing vibe, but also a, you know, it can have a scolding vibe too. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just the way that it shows things sometimes are symbolic and sometimes are very direct and clear. So and iboga is a stimulant, so it has a different sort of energy to it. Yeah, yeah. Fascinating. So, you know, when you're working with somebody like Jerry back when he was, when you were at Passage, you're working with somebody who's just like way off the deep end. What do you, how do you work with somebody like that from a therapy standpoint? Because eventually you felt like, did, was anything working or what, you know, how was that? Yeah. How was that working? Well, in order to work with somebody that's acute, whether it's in behavior or mental illness, for example, which Jerry didn't have mental illness, but his behavior was acute. It was severe. You have to align with the client. So you have to build trust, build rapport. 
and then sort of like align with them in a way that they understand that you get it. And then they, when they have trust with you, then you can start to nudge them slowly to a different sort of position that's a little bit healthier mm. and help them make better decisions. And you can do what's called modeling, which is you sort of show in a session how you should interact mm-hmm. with people. And it's kind of like, that's sort of basic psychology stuff, but it's hard because everybody who is in therapy needs to feel trust with their therapist. And they also need to feel and resonate with whatever's happening for them or these new breakthroughs. Because you can tell somebody forever you know, what the issues are, but if they don't feel it and don't mm-hmm. connect with it, it's just irrelevant. Yeah, yeah. So what about somebody who's, say, like, you know, needs to be on antidepressants? How does that, what is, what is that first? Like, what, what gets them to the point where they actually need that? Some people have, you know, neurochemical imbalances. And some people have behavioral things going on that are upsetting to them. And sometimes people have both of those. So they get diagnosed with major depressive disorder. And the, the protocol is from the psychiatrists is to give them SSRIs, which are selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, which are antidepressants. Right. And what those do is they, they allow the serotonin, which is a neurochemical, they allow it to stay just a split second longer in the synaptic cleft between the neurons in the brain hmm. before it gets absorbed. So when it sits there for a little bit, that enhances mood is the theory behind it. Uh, and so that's why their, their mood goes from depression to being a little bit more balanced. Yeah. So if they're on antidepressant meds, they have to come off of those meds before they do ayahuasca. Right. Because ayahuasca is what's called a monoamine oxidase inhibitor. So it's an MAOI. Okay. And the reason why ayahuasca is an MAOI is because it has to turn off the stomach enzymes that you have in your digestive system. Because if you, if you don't have the MAOI component, then the, the stomach will just break down the active ingredient, which is DMT, dimethyltryptamine. Right. It'll just break it down and nothing will happen. So when you take ayahuasca, it's, right, it's a combination of two plants. Mm-hmm. The vine is the MAOI, and then the regional plant is the high-content DMT plant. So they mix those together and you drink it. And if you have an MAOI, in your system and an SSRI, like an antidepressant, mm-hmm. there can be too much serotonin in the brain. Then you can have what's called a serotonin syndrome, which is very dangerous. Uh, so that's why people need to taper off their meds with the help of their doctor. And then they can be free and clear of them for about 30 days minimum, yeah. you know, depending on the person. Then yeah. they're then it's safe and they can do it. Got it. Wow. I mean, that's, that's <laughs> highly intense. Yeah. But what, how does that... What happens in that 30 days if somebody's like not easy on that? Not easy. Yeah. Those 30 days can be rough, especially if they've been on meds for, you know, 10 years or more. They're used to it. Their body is adjusted. So we we recommend that they, you know, do meditation and take herbs and, you know, just healthy stuff. Eat right. Get enough sleep. It's not easy. I mean, it's really hard for a lot of people to do that, which is kind of the catch 22 with ayahuasca. Yeah, because I can imagine when you're in that state of consciousness, it's hard to really do anything that's like proactive towards your health and mental health, really. Correct. There are some meds that they can start taking while they're tapering that help with the anxiety and sort of the feeling of upsetness. Yeah. Then they have to come off those. But since they've been on those for, let's say, a shorter amount of time, it's not as hard. So their their doctor usually knows like what meds those are mm. and then kind of help them with the taper. So it's not as horrible. Yeah, yeah. So what, I mean, when you're, when you're jumping into plant medicine, 
what is that actually, you know, like what's the science behind what is actually happening when we're, you drink the plant, you know, let's say ayahuasca, for instance. Yeah. Psychedelics in general, or, or, you know, if you want to call it that, you go into this completely other world. What's, what's actually happening in your brain? So the amygdala is the part of the brain that stores our subconscious memories and emotions. And it's there for a really important reason, because if we have trauma, we go through a a horrible event, I don't want to feel my emotions in that moment because they actually just get in the way of my survival. So that's why when something really crazy happens or abusive, we often feel sort of numb or have like this tunnel vision thing. And the reason is because our emotions get shoved into the amygdala and then they just stay there. And if there's ongoing trauma or ongoing things that happen, there's a pattern that develops where everything just gets pushed to the amygdala. And then now we're not in trauma and we're trying to live our life in a normal way. And those emotions start to creep out into our prefrontal cortex, which is like our consciousness, our cognitive thinking, our rationale, that kind of part. Mm -hmm. And it's confusing because those emotions are not relevant for what's happening now in my life. So when you take ayahuasca, the amygdala opens up. And then the prefrontal cortex connects with the amygdala neurochemically. Mm. And you start to have these breakthroughs. And you say, wow, huh, the reason I'm afraid of dogs is because when I was five, a pit bull scared me. And I'm an adult now, and I can actually like dogs. So now I don't have to fear pit bulls. And that fear comes up, and I understand it, and I feel it, and it's gone real quick. And I'm talking about like during a ceremony, that happens. And then I build a new neuron pathway through a concept called synaptic plasticity, Mm. which is that the brain can adjust and grow and change based on like what we do with our thoughts and our our neurochemical environment. And so now I'm not afraid of dogs. Now I like dogs and now they're fine, right? So that's (laughs) that's how that sort of works, you know? So it's the amygdala and the prefrontal cortex and the dopamine and serotonin in particular are being reset and balanced through the ayahuasca. Yeah. So that's that's what you would call like I guess in therapy like triggers. Yeah, so absolutely. Your, your subconscious triggers run how you operate. Correct. So you're going in essentially rewiring those triggers. Yes. Yes, which is amazing. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> yeah. You can't do that with regular Western no. medicine. <laughs> <laughs> I think if somebody went to India and meditated for thirty years, they might be able to pull it off, but most people can't do that. Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of people don't really have that kind of time. Exactly. <laughs> you know, and my patients were so high risk that I didn't have long to work with them or else they, they were going to die or they were just going to be miserable, yeah. OD or commit suicide or whatever. Yeah. So that's what I love about plant medicine is fast. It's quick. It's right to the point. The problem, you know, with Western medical culture is they, they believe it to some degree, you know, if you have 20 years of trauma or addiction or whatever, unhealthy living, you know, you got to be in, in therapy or groups for the rest of your life. And I just find that to be absurd because if I break my arm, I'm not going to have to dwell on my broken arm for the rest of my life. I want to fix it and move on. Yeah. And so that's what I love about plant medicine is it, it fixes it quick and you can move on. Wow. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. It's kind of like, I mean, I felt like the last couple of days has been like, it's almost like subconscious surgery. And you can go in there and just yeah. be like, okay. I mean, yeah. at Mother Aya's, like, <laughs> right, you know, at her, at her movements and her flow. But, sure. you know, still, I think you can probably like, you can kind of craft a little uh-huh. bit with the intention and, and, Definitely. and move around with that. How, how does that work? I mean, how, because you're kind of, 
you're using conscious, connecting with subconscious, and then letting the medicine do the work. Correct. Because we believe that it, all disease and illness and addiction and all kinds of mental health issues and upsetness and stuff, discontent, we believe it's because you're unplugged from your soul or from who you really are. Mm-hmm. You're separated or dissociated. Mm-hmm. And when you plug back in, that's what the medicine helps you do, you can heal yourself from emotional things, from physical things. You know, all this different stuff can happen because our bodies are the best tools to heal our own selves. Yeah. And that just allows the process, you know, because in the West, the whole goal really of corporate stuff and just sort of business and all these pharmaceutical, et cetera, is to unplug you from yourself because then you're vulnerable. You can be manipulated and then you'll consume. And so if you have, if you're plugged into yourself, you have more clarity and you can make authentic decisions. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's wild how Western medicine is just, it's like a bandaid. Yeah. Just looks at (laughs) symptoms. Yeah. You know, and you just put the bandaid on it and something else pops up down the road. That's right. You know, people on antidepressants, it's a bandaid because they're not addressing the real issues. They're just numbing out. Yeah. And some people need those and I don't knock on those that do, you know, I know plenty of people that it's helped them, but if you really want to get down to the bottom of it, and resolve the underlying issues, then you gotta get off those meds and connect with yourself for real. Yeah, and like, how do you like when somebody is 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 that that far down the depressed rabbit hole? Mm-hmm. How how do you find that? How do you help them come to a space of like doing plant medicine? Yeah, well, I think a lot of people they're just so upset and on so many meds and just been through the the ringer. You know, they they're fed up. You know, the medical system isn't serving them. They don't have the tools themselves, right, on how to kind of get out of it. And a lot of those people, you know, end up in hospitals and psych units and rehabs and group homes and all kinds of stuff. And, you know, it's hard for them. You know, it's hard for them because, you know, to get off a list of meds, usually a laundry list of meds, is not easy. You know, they can do it. You know, they they got on the meds, you know, slowly over time. Just got to work slowly on getting out of there. You know, it's it's a struggle. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> not easy. It's not easy. You know, those kind of people really need the medicine the most, you know? Yeah. But because of the the dangers associated with serotonin syndrome, we have to, we have to be very careful about how that goes. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So you're working with, I mean, the best, obviously you're working with shadow, your shadow side. And- yeah. What does that look like from a neuroscience perspective? What what do those shadows look like? Well, sometimes uh, it's interesting too because, like, let's say I was uh, I wasn't, but let's say I was abused as a kid, mm-hmm. like physically or sexually or something like that. Let's say I'm five through eight, and it's happening. The emotions that are present during that time to get put into the amygdala are fear and guilt, shame, anger all kinds of stuff, self-loathing, all these emotions. Mm-hmm. And then they get put there. And then now I'm an adult and I, I can't have healthy relationships. I keep picking horrible partners. I'm upset, I'm angry. You know, I don't really know why, it's confusing. Then I come and do plant medicine. Then I realize, you know, oh, okay, well, I had a lot of trauma as a kid. I was abused. And these emotions surface, the fear, anger, guilt, shame, all that. What happens is because you're still aware of yourself on ayahuasca, you still know that you're at rhythmia, you know, laying up there. Yeah. You know, it's not like you're 
gone, like you're aware. So your prefrontal cortex starts to try to make sense of those emotions. And if there's an emotion of fear, but I don't understand where that fear came from, my mind will say, well, there must be something scary right now. And I start, I might have a vision or I might just have a thought Mm -hmm. that there's something evil or demonic or scary or some weird thing. And then that becomes an image that that is just a vehicle to transport that emotion. Mm. It's not necessarily that there's some sort of devil dude jumping around, right? <laughs> yeah, it's just your mind. <laughs> it's just your mind trying to understand these emotions. But once you once you breathe into it and accept the fact that hey, these emotions are from my past. I need yeah. to feel them to get them out. Then that's sort of how that can kind of manifest. And so it's just about you know that's what's great about rhythmia is that we're we're giving context to these people. And showing them yeah. like how this process works. Because you know, most of these people have never done any sort of work like this before. Yeah. Like most people are first timers here, probably 90% of them have never done ayahuasca before. Yeah. So we give a lot of information on how to do that, you know. And the shadow self is basically just the ego that has been created throughout our whole life to show the world what we want the world to see. And that's not really who we are. Right. It's used to just protect us or to not get attention or to get attention, or there's all these different reasons for it. So when you see who you've become on the plant medicine, that's one of our intentions to show me who I've become. Basically, you're seeing what you've created in your ego and mm. what that person is like. Oh, wow. Yeah. So when you merge your ego with your, you know, because you have to have ego. Correct. You know, it doesn't, it has to be like, you know, you have to break the yeah. break the shadow side of the ego. That's right. At least, but the mer- the merging is becoming like this authentic higher self connecting with the ego. Exactly. So the ego gets what we call reorganized, and it's just more plugged into who you are. And then and then you feel good, and then you you understand more about yourself. Mm. And that's where the healing occurs is through that process. Wow. Wow. Yeah. What I find fascinating is the is the the context and the education and the programming around it here down here. Rhythm me all the classes and everything like really really i mean this is my first time ever doing ayahuasca so mm-hmm. to to experience and have context around it helps yeah. tremendously i mean i yeah. don't even know if i could imagine doing ayahuasca <laughs> without all this context around it yeah it would be a little a little scary and probably confusing if you were just out in the jungle just drinking it and then that's it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, the, the twin size mattress definitely helps. You know, yeah, it does. <laughs> a little bit more comfort. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. Yeah, that's a big deal. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's amazing. I mean, what kind of things have you seen, like healing, like psych- psychological healings? Have you seen people, you know, you obviously, yeah, you guys have brought in, what, 6,000? Yeah, about 6,000 people. Yeah. yeah like yeah, what, yeah. what kind of stories have you seen of of healings like that a ton and and some of the ones that really stand out are people that you know have a history of depression for example and they have a history of meds and they came off the meds they came and they process all of this stuff that they never looked at before you know all these emotions and then their their concern while they're here is that oh i don't want to go back to my meds i don't want to go back to this that I say, give it some time, get home, transition, adjust back to your life mm-hmm. and see how you feel. And, and most people that come through here never go back to their meds and they feel amazing. You know, we follow up with people when they leave. Yeah. Six months out, we check in with them, how you doing? You know, and a high overwhelming percentage, almost 90 plus, say they're still in the zone, they still feel great. So 
I think just having people not go back to meds is like one of the common things we see here, whether yeah. it's ADHD meds or antidepressants or anti-anxiety meds, like Xanax and stuff. Yeah. They don't they don't go back to that, you know? It's yeah. it's incredible. That's beautiful. Yeah. That's yeah. Beautiful. And there's healings too, like that happen, like autoimmune disorders are are reported by some guests as being gone or 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 lighter, you know? Yeah. And I don't make that as a medical claim, but I just am reporting what, what guests have told us. Mm-hmm. And they just feel healthier, you know, after yeah. doing this. You know, it's it's a detox yeah. of your system. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, you were saying it's a, your body has everything it needs to heal itself. It's just Correct. The, it's the trauma and the fear. That, well, the fear, because the fear creates, you know, negative vibrational frequency, which releases like more and more toxic yeah what is that toxic chemical that your body releases with fear well there's a whole bunch of them actually yeah and it's it's acidic in nature yeah so acidic sort of ph stuff does damage to organs tissues things can get stored emotionally in your organs and in your in your muscles yeah so people often hold anxiety like in their abdominal area Mm. and then when they do the plant medicine they have like this abdominal sort of shift and like, what is that like that's where you hold your anxiety you know <laughs> yeah 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely so i mean actually that gives me another just like the colonic cleanse yeah I yeah mean, <laughs> what is that I, I think i'm traumatized from the yeah. colonic for the uh, yeah more than the <laughs> more than i was like we did it on the first day and we were both like uh, I think I'm just going to need the four days of ayahuasca just to like, just to recover from, from the trauma of this colonic cleanse. You know, what's interesting about that is we, we've come to understand that when you have trauma and let's say you're in the, in a digestive process, you just had lunch and you go outside and you see a car accident that was like really brutal because of the fight or flight response and the adrenaline surge and all this kind of stuff that happens when you experience trauma, that food gets like, not stuck, obviously, but it gets held there temporarily and an emotional component is attached to where that food is or that part of the digestive tract. And then, you know, you go on with your life and then your colon, if you've seen pictures of colons that are unhealthy, they look kind of like squished and pinched and kind of, not yeah. not full and healthy. Yeah. And there's a lot of medical reasons for that, you know, poor diet and other things and just genetics, lack of water. But there's also like these other components that are related to like hormones and adrenaline and neurochemistry. And so what happens is when you get a hydrocolonic cleanse and if it's done mindful and intentional and with that sort of purpose, when you release that part of the colon or it gets kind of cleared out, then an emotion comes with it that's been stored there somatically we call it psychosomatic yeah and so that has like an emotional release people often cry when they take the the cleanse not because it hurts but because they have an emotional experience wow okay yeah isn't that wild (laughs) so people tend to think it's like oh i want to clear up my system for ayahuasca so i don't go to the bathroom up there but that i mean that can happen that can help but it's it's for the emotional side okay mind body spirit wow wow yeah Okay, so why three? Three of the intentions or three of the cleanses? Three of the cleanses. <laughs> ah, well, we used to have it every single day. Oh, my God. Uh-huh. And then we got to where we were selling out, and that just wasn't going to work logistically. <laughs> <laughs> How many can we fit in, basically, is what 
that's yeah. all about. Yeah. yeah. So we, we find that people can get about three in because, yeah. you know, they're busy this week, right, with classes and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. So three works best for the schedule. Got it. Yeah. So now why not just one? Why three versus or why multiple versus just one? One, one is good by itself, you know, for a lot yeah. of people. And sometimes they just do one. But three are better because it's just more emotional clearing. Just the more emotional clearing you can get, the better. Got it. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. I mean, well, yes and no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You like the idea. <laughs> I mean, you're, it's funny because you come down here and you're like, okay, I'm, it's it's not a it's not a vacation. It's like a, mm-hmm. you're like, I'm just going to go do work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it's like it's, a... It's not a vacation. I mean, yeah. it has a vacation vibe because we're in beautiful Costa Rica in, in this nice area, this yeah. great resort right by the beach. Vacation-y sort of vibe. But there's a lot of work going on here, man. Yeah. I mean, if you want to dive deep into your and cleansing your life, yeah, your psyche, your, yeah. your body, everything, <laughs> it's, uh, it's like such a great program. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And how, what kind of things have you done to craft the program on your side of things? Well, Jerry has done the majority of the plant medicine sessions where he asked business questions during the ceremony. And then I would do some with him as well. We would ask certain mm-hmm. questions like, what, what should we add? What should we keep? What, how much should we charge? What should happen? Da, da, da. And so we, we've based the entire program on what the plant medicine told us to do. Yeah. Which is kind of weird, but true. <laughs> <laughs> weird, but true. And then once we kind of got like the framework about what we should offer here from, from ceremonies that we did, then I came in with like a clinical approach to justify each modality to the Ministry of Health. Mm. And that's how we got licensed because they accepted our proposal of like yeah. this wellness program. Yeah. So speaking of that, so let's talk about breath work and 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 the neuroscience behind that. I'm mm-hmm. sure there's probably a lot of similarities with psychedelics, but this is yeah. something you're activating with your own tools. The one yeah. thing that you have and Correct. Until you die. <laughs> yeah. We all know that breath and breathing and oxygen obviously are essential, right? Obviously. Most people don't breathe very deeply. And when they actually focus on their breath, a lot can happen. Mm-hmm. And sometimes people breathe shallow for emotional reasons, not because they're lazy or overweight. It's just because they they don't want to go deep. It's very symbolic. And when you have a, a full oxygen content in your in your body, things get shifted in there too because you're you're detoxing and you're you're adjusting the pH of your body by having a high level of oxygen uh. and then with the CO2 that's being released on the exhale there's all this neurochemical stuff that happens during that and also related to the oxygen and the hemoglobin sort of binding and so what happens when you do breath work is you're giving yourself like a super high charge of oxygen, mm-hmm. but then you're also mindfully thinking of certain stuff that's connecting you to your body. Yeah. So when you breathe, there's nothing more connecting to yourself than your breath. Yeah. And if you think about your breath, focus on your breath, all of a sudden you're just totally plugged into your body. Yeah. And you increase the oxygen content and then the way of the breathing style, there's a certain way to do it that we teach you, then you have like a journey, just like you were on plant medicine without yeah. the plant medicine. Yeah. And it's the same sort of stuff that's going on. The clarity, the the amygdala, the awareness, like all that stuff is is happening. Yeah. And I like it because you can do it anywhere. You know, you can do it yeah. at home. Yeah. Well, it's quite a, it's like such a great integration piece. I mean, last year I did uh, 5-MeO mm-hmm. DMT. Oh, yeah. 
And that created a huge contrast for me. And yeah. like I was, I was going through a dark night of the soul and just like <laughs> contemplating the meaning of, of this existence here. And yeah. I was sorry that had already started before I did DMT, but then when I did DMT, it created a bigger, bigger contrast. Ah. And so when I came back, I was kind of like, what do I do? But I, yeah. did, you know, I found, I started doing breath work. I found, I started that and I realized like there was so much, I, I, I but I can't necessarily tell you exactly what, yeah, it was about it. But, sure. Um, it definitely helped me integrate and like come back definitely. slowly. Yeah. That's a great tool for that. We recommend people do it when they get home. Yeah. It helps with that exact transition. Yeah. So what's happening with that transition, like psychologically? Well, you know, people have cleared out all this baggage that they have emotionally, you know, before they get here, they have all these things they're holding on to that aren't serving them. Then they get here, they clear it out, they get clarity, they're plugged into themselves then they get home and they're out of sorts because everything around them is still the same. They're very sensitive to things. They can feel more. They have, uh, their decisions are clear. They can tell who's who and what's what. And it throws them off a bit because they're not used to being in that zone. They're used to being sort of like hazy or fuzzy in general, <laughs> right? They've gotten used to that. Yeah. So now that fuzz and that haze is out of the way and they're totally them. And there's a there's a tra- a transition period of like you know two weeks for everybody. They kind of have a little bit of a dip when they feel like wow, like, I don't know if I like this. You know this plugged in vibe. Yeah, it's like I'm feeling everything. <laughs> right. Kind of like it's kind of like that movie The Matrix. Like the guys that didn't want to be awake anymore <laughs> would, would agree to go back into the Matrix. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, you know it's kind of like if you you know now what's going on and yeah. and the key to it is you know. Just to have, just to be like plugged into your authentic self and your vibrational sort of change mm-hmm. will be felt by other people, you know, and they'll make a shift. So it's hard to like show up at work after being here and just start telling people, you got to do this. You got, that's not what we recommend. Yeah. You know, we recommend just being yourself and being authentic and just your vibrational change will be felt by everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Does your vibration, it's always kind of rising, right? Or does yeah. that go down with the dip and come back up? It, it, it goes down a little bit with the dip because you just get scared and you, sh- you try to avoid what's happened. Mm-hmm. Try to kind of negate it or question it. And then that doesn't stay long, a couple right. of days max. And then it starts to climb back up again. And then you're just on fire. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So have you done have you done psilocybin before? Uh-huh. Yeah. How would you describe the difference in terms of psilocybin and ayahuasca? I would say that uh psilocybin, when at least when I've done it, you you're kind of just on it when you're on it. And you can't you can't like tone it down or wait for it, you know, you, you can't like tell it to do stuff. At least I know I wasn't able to. You're kind of just in it and it's really cool and it's super awakening. Yeah. Very positive. But it kind of just takes me where it needs to take me. Whereas with ayahuasca, I have intentions that I set and I can guide the medicine to some degree based yeah. on like what I want to accomplish. Yeah. So I can manage it a little bit better. You know, I can yeah. come in and out of it to some, you know, to some degree. Yeah. That's, yeah, yeah. that's the difference, I believe. Yeah. I mean, I, I've definitely noticed that difference too. I mean, I, the, the clarity of the voice of the medicine yeah. is Fairly on on ayahuasca is like very clear. Yeah. Whereas yeah, psilocybin is kind of like the kid brother. You're just or like you're like your your child self going out to play. And you're just like having fun. Yeah. And it's beautiful. It and is. There is subconscious work that's happening. I there mean, is. 
I've had a couple of those journeys that, I mean, wow, amazing. But this is definitely a different type, yeah. type of medicine. It is. I think, I think psilocybin is really good about plugging people into nature and their environment, you know, and, and seeing that we're all part of the same stuff. And yeah. that's important because if I, if I believe that I'm part of nature and the universe, then I, I want to respect that and, and be in tune with that. As opposed to if I feel unplugged from that and there's no connection between me and my environment, yeah, then I can kind of like don't care about the environment, right? Yeah, so psilocybin's really good for that. Yeah, beautiful journeys. Do you? How often do you do ayahuasca? I haven't done it in a while, you know, because I did I did a ten or twelve of my own ceremonies for me to like get my healing, and after that I did a whole bunch more, thirty or forty, fifty more. To uh, <laughs> wow, yeah, it was a lot to to get a, the perfect blend for what we're doing here yeah. at Rhythmia to test different ayahuasca blends. Got it. And then now we have like this certain really planned out way of how the medicine works, depending on the the shamanic traditions from where it comes. Yeah. So I'm on call for all these ceremonies every night. Yeah. So I need to be present. Yeah. And not on medicine if yeah. I need to go up there. Yeah. <laughs> well, not necessarily like while everybody else is doing it. Exactly. So you said you said you did twelve ceremonies yeah. to get your to do your healing. What do you th- do you think what was the tw- why twelve? Well, I think it was, you know, the first few were like really good. I did the whole intention thing that we have, you know, like yeah. show me who I've become, merge me with my soul and heal my heart. I did that. Yeah. But then I had to resolve some trauma. I had mm-hmm. to kind of go deeper to try to understand what this medicine was trying to show me. Yeah. Inner, inner family relationships, couples relationships, kid relationships, all that kind of stuff was important to me. So like it, I worked on that. Yeah. You know? I actually got married for the second time because of plant medicine. I would have never done it if it wasn't for the plant oh, wow. medicine. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I got, I have two kids from the first marriage. My ex-wife is totally cool. We're good friends, but I was not interested in getting married again. Yeah. But I've been dating a girl for a long time, almost 10 years, and she wanted to get married. And, and I, you know, I did in theory, but I just wasn't pulling the trigger. I was like, you know, I don't know if I want to do all that, you know? And it was my ego mm-hmm. answering that. And so I really checked that out, what that was about, what it meant. And the plant medicine showed me, you know, what I really felt and thought. Yeah. And I really did want to get married again. And I did want to marry her. And so I did. And now we have two other kids. And they're great. So now I got four. (laughs) The more the merrier. (laughs) Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah, that's interesting because I couldn't imagine just doing one ceremony. Yeah. Like four. You really do need at least three or four. I agree. To start. Yeah. Um, But it's also interesting how you can kind of intentionally use it to go in and work certain areas like definitely you're just saying like you're like when well, i want to explore this area yeah let's go do another yeah ceremony and explore that exactly like if i come a, like a crossroads in my life where i'm dealing with something or if i'm confused or feel unplugged i'll do one again and just that'll be my intention just to get back to me yeah yeah so i always have that on the horizon you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah absolutely it was interesting i was talking to i was talking to jerry because like this came up last night connor and i were talking about it but the idea that it's almost like if you, you get to the level of consciousness where like you are the divine. Yeah. Then 
Mother Aya is essentially you or your higher self. Correct. And that's a whole interesting idea yes. in and of itself. It which, is. <laughs> it takes a little more medicine to understand. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but very interesting because I've, I've always heard the, con- you know, I've heard the concept before. But yeah. Like to actually like get to the place where that neural connection happens is a, it takes, takes the work. Yeah, it does. And where you become everything or you, you are everything. Yeah. And that's the goal to get to that point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So like, what's the, like, what's the higher self look like in the brain? Like, can you, is there actual, is that your subconscious? Is that your conscious mind? Where, where does that live? Well, I think, you know, there's, there's theories about it, right? There's not actually a true understanding of it. Yeah. You know, that's just the whole sort of question of Jungian psychology, you know, and, and basis of Freud before that. It's like, what really is that? You know, it's our inner voice. It's our it's our self-talk. Like, what is that, right? It's reflexive. So the way I view myself is the way that I'm mirrored back to me from others. Hmm. So I define who I am by the way people relate to me. And so that's kind of what that all, it's all mixed into this sort of thing. And I think what happens is when you get to that point that you were mentioning where you realize that you're divine and you're everything and everything's you and you're totally plugged into the universe basically that means that that self-talk or that reflexive sort of self-awareness and all this subconscious amygdala talk and all this it just fades and you're just totally united and plugged into everything yeah you is (laughs) you is is it (laughs) yeah it was interesting i noticed like different i could last night i felt like i was observing different like levels of consciousness uh, even yeah. to the point where like before the medicine, like I took the first cup and I was like, I fell asleep. Yeah. Like ha- every night, first cup, <laughs> zonks, maybe nice. some, maybe a little few vivid dreams or whatever. And then like the monkey mind starts going. I'm like, what, uh, where is it? Where is she? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is this coming? And like, yeah. even last night I felt that chatter. And then after I took the, drank the second cup, a few like 15 20 minutes later like that chatter stopped yeah and then like the 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 voice the medicine stepped in yes whether that's higher self that's the divine whatever yeah you know? yeah and it's it's hard to know exactly what it is but i just believe it is the higher self it's you you know yeah. it's you yeah well yeah because like when you do part the waters of the of the chatter you're like kind of on that path yeah and following the higher self. Exactly. And like when we're living in alignment with that higher self, that's where life, the magic really keeps happening. That's right. And anything we, we need, we receive. And everything we want to give and do happens. Yeah. It's just a flow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A constant flow and a constant cleaning. Because, I mean, I feel like things happen to us. Yeah. Constantly. And, I mean, you know, in, in terms of like go- ongoing, right, over the next however many after leaving here and things shift and change and do you tend to like go, do you ever, do people ever go back to the old triggers or do those really get, they can, it's, it happens. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you can, you can kind of, you can, you know, if you don't really want to change, you can be resistant to the medicine, Mm. but if let's say you do change and you, you want to change and you do it, then you get back and you just let it slide and you don't do a daily practice and you don't, you know, you start using drugs and alcohol again in an abusive way. Yeah. You know, it's not healthy. And you don't follow your 
your authentic self, then yeah, you can you can end up right back yeah. where you were. Absolutely. Yeah. But I think it's even worse because you have that knowledge that that's not right who you are or what you're supposed to be doing. So it's, it can be more painful. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Yeah. It's interesting because I took. Have you heard of MITT? Like no. Mastery and Transformational Training. It's kind of like Landmark. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've heard of that. I actually have. So it's, I find that interesting because I find like that's, that's for me, it was a great like opener to this whole world. Uh-huh. But it's only the 5% conscious, you know, you're learning tons of stuff, but yeah. it's all, you're just doing the, you're doing work in the conscious world. Yes. Not the subconscious. Yes. So you, you still have these, you're still wired to your subconscious triggers, which is interesting. So mm-hmm. it really actually makes it harder to like, you're almost like forcefully cha- trying to shift and change yes. in every moment. Yes. What do you think is happening there versus plant medicine? Well, because um, I've done landmark you yeah. Know, so, which is similar to what the MITT, right? Yeah. Similar, and and th- those are great. You know, those are really helpful. Like, but yeah. like you said, they just open you up to start. It's like a starting point. And if we're if we're working primarily in the conscious world, which is what we all do ninety percent of the time when we're home. Yeah. You know, there's practical sides to that that are necessary for living and paying bills or whatever you got to do. Yeah. But if I really want to change, I need to address the things that are that are forcing me down a road that I'm unaware of because for me, you know, I was, I was living in a way that I was intimidating to people and I didn't even know it. Mm. And I was aggressive and I didn't even know it. I had no awareness of it. I thought I was a nice guy and, you know, generally I was, but people would tell me certain key people in my life would tell me like what, how I was perceived. And it was nothing that I had any knowledge of to myself. Mm. It was very odd. So when I when I did plant medicine, I realized why that was. And it's from a young age, I had to protect myself on the streets of L.A. Grew up in a rough area. A lot of dangerous stuff happened all around me at all times. And I had to be safe. And the way to do that was just to become like tough and aggressive yeah. and standoffish. And no one would really want to mess with me. Yeah. And that evolved into a different sort of energy as an adult when I was no longer in that, those environments. But I still had that vibe. So when I did plant medicine, I got to resolve that because that was a subconscious driving force that I didn't even have any awareness of. So the difference I would say is that, you know, in Landmark or or other things like that, it's like, okay, well, we see patterns and we see conscious things that we're doing and we can see that there's always a choice. I can make, try to make the right choice. But if I feel overwhelmed with something that I don't understand, the chances of me making that good decision are, are rare. Yeah. You know, it's like rolling the dice. <laughs> so I'd rather, I'd rather know where it comes from yeah. and be able to resolve it on that subconscious level Yeah, and be able to then just kind of clear it out and have that ability to look at life in the way that I should. Yeah. No, that's beautiful. So when the, you're, these new neural connections yeah. that you make, uh-huh. when you rewire the subconscious, yeah. Do you have to do like maintenance to kind of keep building those neural nets so they get stronger and stronger? Or does the way the medicine you can, do that? The way you can look at it, it's like if you're a, a hiker and you're up in the mountains and there's a path that hasn't been used much, but it, you know, it used to be used a lot. Yeah. It's kind of overgrown a little bit. So you gotta start walking up and down it. And the more hikers that go on that, then all of a sudden it's a path, right? Right. So it is important to continue to flex those pathways. Because yeah. that's how it gets to become a memory, how it gets to become a, a behavior pattern mm. and something that's predictable. So, yeah, I mean, as far as like 
as far as like having to do ayahuasca all the time, no, not that part. Right. But be able to, for example, like if, if ayahuasca and the plant medicine has shown me that I need to be more loving towards my family. Okay, but if I just completely don't do that, yeah, then I can lose that connection and that desire. I have yeah. to be loving to my family and keep doing it and do it regularly. And then it gets more set in stone in a sense. Yeah. So you have to keep practicing essentially. Exactly. Keep working it. Yes. That's right. It's like working out. Same thing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, speaking of working out, how does that, um, what does that do psychologically and chemically? I mean, obviously, you know, it releases endorphins and just a lot yeah. of those things, but, you know, in the mix of wellness. Yeah. What is that doing to your psyche? It surges dopamine, mm. which is key for mood. So uh, I remember when I was at the psych hospital working there, we had a little gym. And, you know, we used to tell all the patients, get in that gym because, you know, instead of taking all these meds, let's get your dopamine up. Let's get your well-being going neurochemically. Mm -hmm. So exercise is a big deal. For people that have depression, you know, there's a big study that was done years ago. It was a really good study. It had like 5,000 participants. Yeah. And they were matched in control and experimental groups. And they had, everybody was matched based on how severe their depression was. All these different people. And they put one group on antidepressants, and then they put the other group on three days of regular exercise. Hmm. And then they studied them a year, or I think it was two years later, same exact outcomes of improvement. Yeah. It was significant, meaning that exercise was just as good as the meds for the people that actually needed meds. So it enhances dopamine. It works on serotonin. It's an amazing thing to do. It's a very important part of living. Yeah. It's exercise. Absolutely. Yeah. Keep moving. Keep moving. Keep moving every day. <laughs> <laughs> Got to do it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, one last question I love to ask all my guests is, what does the phrase live inspiration mean to you? Ah, live inspiration. Huh? Yeah. I love that. Well, you know, if we view our life to me, what this means is if we view our life in sort of a rigid way that has sort of closed-ended realizations, like I need to get this house, I need to get this job, I need to get this car, I need blah, 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 then I'm happy, then I'm happy. We all know that doesn't work. Yeah. That's not what life's about. Yeah. But if I'm living from an open-ended sort of belief system, which is things are always growing and shifting and improving, my awareness is improving and growing. My connection to things and people is growing. I think living in that manner is what that statement means to me. You know, yeah. continual growth and change. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> Where can people find you and follow you on the interwebs? So we have a, a Rhythmia Facebook page, and Rhythmia Life Advancement Center on Facebook. And I do every Monday night on uh, at 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, I do a Facebook Live oh, cool. on all different subjects. They're usually short, 10, 15 minutes. Yeah. And if you, you, know, you don't have to watch it live, it's archived there. And it gets thrown over to YouTube, the Rhythmia YouTube channel. Oh, amazing. And those are good little things to kind of understand, like plant medicine and how to prepare for it and kind of like more mixed with psychology type stuff. Yeah. So yeah. those are the best ways to to get a hold of me and to see Rhythmia. Love that. Love that. Well, cool. uh, Jeff, I acknowledge you for the difference you're making in this world, and thank you for coming on. Thanks so much for having me. It's been Absolutely. a pleasure having you in Rhythmia. Absolutely. It's been amazing being here. <laughs> right on. Come again. Thank you. <laughs>
Alrighty, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode of Neon Radio with Dr. Jeff McNary. I hope you enjoyed it. I love talking about this kind of stuff. I'm your host, Nick Onkin. And if you enjoyed today's episode, I would love it if you could share a review over on iTunes, Apple Podcasts. Rate it, review it. That would be amazing. You can also share it out at neonradio.com slash EP163. Don't forget, if you have any questions about Rhythmia, about plant medicine, hit me up over on Instagram at Nick Onkin, and I'll have a dialogue with you. And uh, if you want to go to Rhythmia, let me know. Don't forget to join the Neon Life community. It's uh, neonlife.com slash community. I can meet other creatives and post your work, talk about things, all things creative, all that good stuff. And go over to neonlife.com slash quiz to take a 10 quick question survey. And we'll serve you up some free content of where you're at to help you where you're at in your creative journey. So all the things, all the things. Yeah, stay tuned for some more exciting guests we have coming up. Uh, some fun people for you. We're, we're, we're ramping back up again. So if you want to share this out, neonradio.com slash EP163. We also have the show notes at that URL too, if you want to check out any of the links and different things uh, that we talked about on today's podcast. Anyways, you know what time it is. It's time to go out and create your life by creating every small moment. And we'll see you next time. Next time.